and welcome to another extra wonderful, extra spectacular Final Fantasy episode of Normandy FM. That's right. We're still in Final Fantasy X. We're still working our way through it. We finally get to Luca this week. But before we get there, I, of course, am Eric Van Allen, one of your co-hosts, joined by Kenneth Shepard. How you doing, Ken? About like that. Y'all hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut for a second. Ken, were, were you like, were you talking? Because I only heard the very end of your sentence. Oh. Well, I played the audio of the laugh scene from Oh, we couldn't hear it. Oh. We couldn't hear it at all. Oh, well, yeah, the joke has been not. ruined. So thank yeah. you, Discord. <laughs> well, it'll, it'll work for the listeners. They're going to get to hear it in like, all its glory. You have to leave this in. I will. I will. You have to leave this in. It's good. No, it's listen. I like doing big, big gestures for goofs. It's good. John, John Warren, a fan by, how you doing? I'm good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling ready to tackle what I had forgotten was like an actually very important part of this video game until, mm-hmm. until last night. I was like, oh yeah, Luca Blitz, blah, 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 blah. And I, I kind of re, re-reminded myself about all of it. I was like, that's kind of a big deal, this whole kind of area. So I'm excited. Yeah, I would say among the people that we reached out to for for guest spots on this, this was maybe one of the most hotly contested episodes. Mm. <laughs> um, purely because it's kind of got everything that people think of when they think of Final Fantasy X. Yeah. You know, it's got it's got Blitzball. It's got the 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 laugh of the protagonist oh we have to get this out of the way john how do you pronounce the name of the protagonist of this video game uh titus oh, intellectual damn. as the good lord intended it is titus now as listen the good lord retconned <laughs> i under i understand why people are like well it's titus it's the tides but that's not how you pronounce it i'm sorry like people get like all these arguments about like oh here's the reasons why it's not actually what it actually is and I'm like why what right. what argument do you think you're making right now like I know God, God forbid we use phonetics to argue <laughs> the but, pronunciation of a name but here's the thing though and Ken I don't I don't know if you well I, I don't know I'll I'll be curious to see what you think if Final Fantasy X gets some sort of revival in the mm. consciousness like Final Fantasy VII did. Mm-hmm. Are they going to do to Titus what they did to Eris? Because Oof. in the U.S., that was just always, oh, it's Eris. And then at some mm. point, enough properties came over from Japan where it's like, no, 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 it's Eris. It's Eris, and it's been Eris the whole time. Well, I think mm-hmm. that they've done enough like things with like Dissidia, um, the various like crossovers and like the audio dramas and stuff where they've pronounced it Titus. That I don't think that they're ah, going to fall good. back on it in like the same way. Good. Um, so, which yeah. you know. So consistency. So hopefully not. That's good. They're 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 tweeting through it. They're tweeting through the Titus. <laughs> I hate it. I just, it's it's no. What I I made my concession for this show and also have made my point. So we are here. But regrettably, you will hear Titus all episode. <laughs> you can listen to last week's episode if you want to hear some some different pronunciation of that. Some name. people fuck it up. Mm-hmm. Hey. Hey, you're a coworker now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm here did to bully him the fanbite way. Did this to yourself. <laughs> oh, it, anyways, yeah, this this section has the Titus laugh and and basically like everything that I think people 
think of when they think of Final Fantasy X. Um, right down to the daddy issues, you know, mm, the, mm. the real yeah. issues at the heart of the matter. So before we get into that, John, tell us a little bit about how you got into Final Fantasy X. Why, why Final Fantasy X is a Final Fantasy for you. I've told this story a few times on Fanbyte podcast, but I'm 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 super happy to tell it again because it's one of my favorite things. And I saw, I saw the friend from the story recently. We had a we had a laugh about it. Um, I decided uh, my friend my friend Mike and I we lived apart uh, for a while after uh, I think freshman year of high school was when this around when this came out, and. Um, we had agreed that when he came back to visit me in Dallas, that we were going to play Final Fantasy X together. And we we're going to play it to completion and take about a week and we we're going to do it together. And gosh, wouldn't you know it, when I got the video game, I decided to play 20 hours of it before he got uh, <laughs> before he got into town. And then we started playing it. And I had to basically act like I had never seen any of this stuff before. Um, and I did that very poorly. And... Um, and so I kind of felt bad about it forever and eventually just kind of apologized to him. Uh, and he, I think he was like, yeah, I knew you would, you would obviously have seen the shit before because no one reacts the way you were reacting to this. Anyway, <laughs> that's all a long way to say that I was so excited about this game when it came out that I betrayed a friend to play it early. And I, uh, I love this game. I really love it. I don't know if I can properly sort it in kind of my, my ranking, cause I feel like my rankings shift, like, I don't know, every mm -hmm. fucking year it feels like, but final fantasy 10 is, uh, is one of my very favorite final fantasy games. And it's one of my favorite games. And, um, I like, I tore through this thing. In fact, I think it might be the final fantasy game I've finished the most. Mm. It's not the one I've played the most. I think nine takes those honors, but I think I've finished 10 like four times. Um, I really like this game a lot. Mm. I don't have so a tattoo. I don't have a tattoo, but I mm. do like this game a lot. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Yeah. We can't all be the, the dedicated Xanark and Abe's fan that Ken is. <laughs> That, that's the closest Blitzball is going to get to my skin. I thought I thought you were going to say that's the closest you're going to get to being a sports fan. But I mean, that's also true. I mean, that's that's true. Too, There's yeah. a whole ass sports logo on my arm. <laughs> well, before we get to the Blitzball, we got to get to the actual city itself. Uh, we start out the Luca episode on a boat on the way to Luca after we have just left Kilika, which, by the way, this is another thing that I just decided to take a little bit of time to do playing this, you know, this time around that I had not done previously. And it was like, talk to some of the NPCs that mm -hmm. are not story critical and stuff. And the, the Luca goers are really fun to talk to. You yeah. should try doing it sometime. If you play this section, like talk to the Luca goers that are below deck because one of them is, is like trying to flirt with Titus and it's very good, but then another one I think if, is trying to like hit on Keepa, and I love that. <laughs> if, is there a woman on their team? Yeah, there's two women on the, on the mm. Luca Goers. I'm pretty I mean, sure. I tried I'm, to avoid them as much as I possibly could. I'm like ninety <laughs> percent sure it was the Luca Goers, only because I didn't see anyone else from the other teams on that ship 
that was on the, on their way. Mm-hmm. I guess it, the only other ones it could have been would have been the Killicut Beasts, and I don't think the Killicut Beasts. Uh, I didn't see them. I at least didn't see like the main dude that you see show up because I always like the main dude from Killicut Beast because he has like this gray beard and he looks like a Witcher and it's great. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So always fun to talk to the NPCs. You can also find like a chocobo like wheel thing that's going on in the ship that's just real fun and it plays the chocobo theme and that always makes me happy um but we do head above deck and we get to listen in on lulu and waka uh talking privately um while yuna is is kind of out on the actual deck of the ship talking to some people and we can kind of like peek our head up to listen to different uh, pieces of it. I always listen to the the, the Lulu and Waka stuff first and then I do the Yuna stuff, but um, we can talk about the Yuna stuff first here since it's first in our notes. Um, they... She name drops the Xanarkin Abes at, at one mm. point and is kind of like defending Titus in a way and, um, and, and she's like really adamant in the whole I believe in Xanarkin thing, which the Luca goers kind of are jerks about but mm. i'm also gonna go ahead and say like maybe reasonably so because right. <laughs> i like yuna and i like that yuna believes in xanarkin but that's still like you know i believe you came from the magic destroyed land from thousands of years ago <laughs> maybe we shouldn't like publicly publicize that <laughs> at the moment <laughs> yeah the, the name drop was like always like surprising to me because i'm like she she knows what she's saying but like she's also, I guess in a position where she can say whatever the fuck she wants and people have to kind of like fall in line. So good on her for that, I suppose. Yeah. It's it's a weird situation where like I think Yuna, early on you get the sense of her character being that she just, when she believes in something, she believes it 100% and mm. will like not just believe in it, but like actively defend it, even if it mm. is kind of a weird thing to defend against somebody because it's literally it's you know it's like saying oh santa claus is real or whatever (laughs) you know it's um and i like that about yuna's character here but this is maybe one of the parts where i was like come on yuna (laughs) rein it in a little bit (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's definitely like the the close like the earliest biggest signal that she is just really trying to get that whole team of hers to just stick together and Mm. like you know, um, I've got this friend and he's a little weird and he's from a different time. Anyway, um, <laughs> I really need him to like, you know, like protect me and go with me and because and be on my side because this journey sucks and no one really knows what it is yet. But like, you know, I'm going to defend this dude because I know he's going to have to do some crazy shit for me later. Mm. Um, I'm and working really hard on this guy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, y'all to be cool with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like I, I, I appreciate that Yuna is kind of an anchor where everyone is kind of like, you know, disbelieving, kind but disbelieving of Titus's whole deal. Mm-hmm. Yuna is really the only one that's like, nah, we're good. He's my friend from a, a magic place, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, I, I don't know. I agree that like it's not tactful, but uh, but that's also what I like about Yuna is that she's not tactful, right? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, it's like the 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 typical depiction of white mage summoner all in white, you know, doing the, the noble sacrificial thing. You kind of always imagine that character doing and saying the, the correct thing. And mm-hmm. she 
doesn't adhere to that, and I do like that about her character a lot. Right. Just kind of like speaks mm-hmm. to a fire that she has I, that it's not necessarily like in the like the single sentence pitch of that character apparent immediately, and I think it's why it's the sort of development she has throughout the whole game of like finally being the person to overcome a lot of these things and like yeah. fight back against them. It's just like you see like that she already has that spirit about her like very early on, even if it means that she will loudly protest against things that have been kind of a uh, like the word their word is law so like she she's supposed to kind of like be the face that that upholds that and then she's just like nah yeah. check told me about it it's got to be real yeah <laughs> i was gonna say she believes the best in people even you know when confronted with other views of them and we'll put a pin in that we'll get back to that in a moment <laughs> yeah because now we got to go listen in on Lulu and Waka's conversation because this is like story critical for some reason is constantly walking back up the stairs to eavesdrop on their conversation uh, which I really like because I've never understood why you had to keep going Mm. up the stairs to listen in why they didn't just make it one extended cutscene, but you have to like keep going back up to listen in it's a yeah that, that was something I think I don't even think I realized until like a playthrough or two in that like oh there's more to that conversation like you have to go up multiple times because I think I went up once and I was like okay it it pushed me away thus I can I've seen everything I need to see from that oh so the first time you did this you hadn't like seen it all the way through mm-hmm. yeah oh. same I think yeah it gets real deep yeah <laughs> it's um so we we listen in on Lulu and and Waka and they're basically having a discussion about like what they're going to do once we get to Luca it's pretty much what they're going to do with Titus once they get to Luca. Yeah. Because at, at this point you kind of get to eavesdrop and listen in on how the, the rest of the party views Titus and not just Yuna, but the rest of the party, or at least Lulu and Waka who are kind of calling the shots at this point are like seeing you as kind of this dog that has mm-hmm. like, joined up with the party and they're like well do we keep it do we try to find it a new home do mm-hmm. we what do we do with it and um you know Waka's talking about leaving us in luca and and dumping titus there um but yuna apparently you know has been insisting that she wants titus to uh become a guardian and and be a guardian for her and i'll also point out that at this at this point in the journey, all we really know about being a guardian is that it means we follow Yuna around and just make sure she doesn't get murdered <laughs> during yeah. her pilgrimage. Um, we don't, and, quite... and also solve incredibly convoluted puzzles. For mm. her. Yeah, which I don't understand. You know, maybe Yuna's never seen Titus handle an orb puzzle before, but uh, this this dude is not working with both hands. Let's say. <laughs> um, could find a could find a more ambidextrous uh mm-hmm. guardian someone someone who's thinking thinking with every every capability they have that dude's got fucking jinko pockets he can't put all the, er- <laughs> the all the orbs in those huge pockets like their tennis balls and just carry them around i don't know it's just always been one of those flaws with uh um with uh with with character design Maybe because he's a professional athlete, he has superstitions. And so mm. in his mind, he's like, nope, can't carry more than one sphere at a time. And everyone else is like, what are you talking about? He's like, it's bad luck to carry more than one sphere at a time. It's like something ingrained in him from a young age. <laughs> that's, that's bad luck. We'll lose on game day. 
Um, so Waka brings up that it's not really up to them to make this decision while Lulu's kind of not happy about it and also is kind of putting putting it to Waka because I think from from her perspective from Lulu's perspective this is all kind of Waka's fault if Waka had not just adopted Titus off the mm. beach when they found him none of this would be happening and they wouldn't be having to deal with Titus mm-hmm. and and Lulu at this point is kind of positioned as the teen the the team mom and yep. has to like you know shuffle everyone along and make sure we're all on time and make sure we're going everywhere and um you know taking care of Titus while Yuna's off dancing and all that <laughs> um but at this point, Lulu actually poses a very good question, which is, you know, why don't you bring it up? Because if Yuna brings it up, it's going to become about Jekt. And and honestly, part of why Yuna is doing it is because of Jekt and her relationship with Jekt and wanting to have a, a guardian relationship with Titus because of her connection to Jekt. And Waka having all of the emotional availability and knowledge of a small dog is <laughs> <It's> just like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um it's i i like this conversation a lot because i think it starts to really open up the dynamic not just between these two but to show that this whole party has dynamics that you don't always get to see and and are kind of going on in the background while mm-hmm. titus isn't always looking uh and i think it's it's a cool scene for that yeah I really like how complicated Lulu and Waka's relationship is, too. Like, Mm -hmm. you still have to think about all of their conversations are, at some point, the subtext, like, the subtext of almost all of their private conversations is, hey, that that dude that showed up out of nowhere looks an awful lot like my uh, ex-boyfriend, who is also your brother. Like, that, it's just, like, a weird, oddly, like, mature kind of, like, relationship between these two people and um it's complicated like it is it's messy there's a Mm -hmm. messiness there but Mm -hmm. they're both kind of shoving that stuff aside to be the adults in the room Mm -hmm. and you know i appreciate the moments in this game where that facade kind of breaks down a bit it doesn't really happen in luca but it, it does happen other places but uh yeah this conversation on the boat is uh, interesting. They have another conversation in Besaid, I believe, earlier on, which is also pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah, mm. it's like this. Yeah, I I really like their relationship, and um, yeah, I always I always forget how much I like Lulu until I either go back and play it or or uh, watch cutscenes and stuff. Yeah, I feel like it starts to chip away at the end, like the tail end of Luca, but yeah, a lot of it is like you know as we'll get through it, like Lulu talking to Titus about Waka in the midst of other shit going on and kind of like at the at the very end they're just gonna kind of be like I guess see each other for who they actually are instead of who they keep trying to either make them or like perceive them to be yep it it is like I like how you mentioned that there's a facade too that like they have to kind of put on that level of emotional maturity to be the adults in the room right and to to be the ones that are the most mature because as as we just seen like yuna will naively believe anything and <laughs> as long as she's got enough trust in somebody she will believe something and titus as we are about to see does not make very 
smart decisions all the time. <laughs> and no. Kimari, Kimari is supposed to be this stoic protector, but I think we also very quickly figure out that he's kind of there as muscle, but he's also got his own problems that he deals with like very privately and is not very available all the time is just kind of there to make sure Yuna does not come into harm. And that's about mm. it. Um, and so like for, for the people that have to keep pushing this pilgrimage along and making sure that everything's going well and, and keeping the group focused and all that, it is at this point down to Lulu and Waka and, and we do get, a more adult in the room later. At the, the most adult episode. in the room. The, mo- the, <laughs> the most, most adult. adult. The the one who literally just walks in and is like, okay, I'm the adult now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Look at me. I'm the captain now. Which is why he's one of my favorite Final Fantasy characters. But <laughs> uh, we will we will get to that as well. Um, but yeah, I like these little moments. It's a good little moment. Um, and so we get one more moment on this boat before we arrive in Luca. another very famous moment where Tita sees a blitz ball and has a flashback to Jekt once again, taunting him for seemingly no reason. <laughs> um, Tita's just trying to do blitz ball stuff. And then Jekt coming over and being like, Oh man, you're trying to do my trick. No one can do my trick. I'm the best. You suck. Like, I like to imagine this is just a Wednesday in Tita's life. <laughs> um, and so now we get to do a mini game that is just like, for lack of a better term, we are shooting down Jack's taunts in our own mind as we try to do this this famous trick that he once did. Uh, and really like playing whack-a-mole with intrusive thoughts about your dad's taunting <laughs> from your youth is something I've never seen in any other video game. Mm. It's, it's, it's revolutionary in a way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I also remember I when I was a kid, I would fail this a lot. Um, but now, as as an adult who understands how to play video games much better than a child does, um, mm. and at least in some video games, I still suck at Fortnite. But um, it's uh, it, it's pretty straightforward. I've I've like I've landed this every time I've played it since mm. I like became an adult. This is my yeah. rite of passage. Was was I had to beat the jack shot? It was Titus's rite of passage too. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And then we get this cool scene where we do it, and all the Aurochs are super impressed, and they're like, "Show us how to do it! Show us how to do it!" And then Yuna shows up and is like, "Oh, it's the sublimely magnificent jack shot Mark III." <laughs> um, and you know, Titus goes off on a rant saying there is no Mark one and two. It's just something that his dad made up because everyone would keep showing up in the stands to see Mark one or Mark two. Um, and then they kind of get into it a little bit because Yuna starts to talk about Jack and is very rosy about mm. him and is like, Oh, maybe he's around because you're here and all that. And Titus is like, yeah, I would hate to see him. He was the worst. I'd probably <laughs> smack him around a bit. And they start to really get into it about their relationships with their fathers. And, and Titus even like probes at Yuna about being Braska's daughter. Um, and Yuna's kind of like, oh, you know, it's, it's hard to live up to him, but you know, it's, it's an honor to have him as a father. And um, yeah, it's, it's some conflict, which I think actually like elevated this relationship a little bit more for me because up till this point, you know, it's kind of just been 
Titus and Yuna having one-off conversations where they're just kind of having fun and all that kind of stuff. But here they have something that they disagree about and they have to kind of get into it. And I enjoy that a little bit again. Like I think friction in these relationships ends up making them feel more real than if they were just these like rosy romantic escapades, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it I, kind of feels, I would say it, it kind of feels like this is a section where they have to start more overtly dealing with that. that they, their, their fathers are both like, these really really important figures in both of their lives and both of like the world the different worlds that they live in and but like they have it it's it's interesting because like they both have to live up to something and even though they have very different relationships relationships with the person that they're having to live up to because there's even a point where like Yuna like kind of scolds Titus for talking about Jack the way that he does and mm-hmm. it's almost like that sort of conflict does not necessarily even occur to her at that point because like she based on what we can tell because like Braska I think is among the three of like the people that were like you know and the last time that Sin was taken out um he's the one that's like the most absent and I feel like even this many years removed I feel like I know that character very little like their relationship at the very least seemed more amicable and that like it's like she says it's like an honor to have to live up to him even though like she feels that pressure where she just almost views it as like a burden that like he's always going to have that like name like wrapped around his entire legacy as like a, as a blitzball player and like soon to be a guardian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think uh, the dad stuff is interesting. I feel like Tim Schafer saw that mini game and was like, I'm going to make a video game out of this whole thing. <laughs> um, and uh, I always thought it was funny that he practices the shot, not in the water. That made no sense to me uh, then or now. Um, but that's fine. Uh, you have to get the shot. You have to do the mini game if you want to have like a puncher's chance at actually doing the blitz ball later, in my opinion, mm. um, which is uh, a fun strat, uh, pro strat from yours truly. Um, I, yeah, like I, this was, you know, I, mm, I always left this conversation kind of invigorated by what, you know, because of what you're saying, Eric, of like this friction is kind of necessary to get the relationship um, to a better place. I also always left this conversation feeling like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of hearing about your dad, Titus, honestly. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, I think some of this is your shit too. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, you've got some baggage here too. I don't know what it is yet. But I and I don't know if I just found Tita's grading at this point. And I do. I have to be clear. I really I like this game a lot. I think Tidus is, by design, a fairly grading protagonist for, for the most part. Hmm. Um I, I hear his uh voice actor going, My old man, like in my head just all the time. Um But I also get dad issues. I also get living hmm. in your dad's shadow. I also get um, not really living up to uh, a, a person in your life who has done something magnificent. And I mean, like, there's also a lot of frustration where Titus is not, was not only living in this guy's shadow um, at the time of his life, but is now fast forwarded a thousand years and can't even begin to live up to a thousand years of a legacy. Mm. Um so I get the frustration, but I always kind of left this conversation being like, oh, I'm so tired of this shit. 
dude. <laughs> anyway. I, I don't want to take the legs out from discussion later, but I think the game does start to take notice because one of the major scenes that happens near the end of Luca starts to feel like an interrogation of Titus in a way yeah. where it is yes. really like turning the lens back on him and, and being like, look, you've got problems, but are you going to let those problems define you in the way that you've right. been letting them define you? And I'm glad, I'm glad that Ken has started watching Evangelion so I can finally start comparing <laughs> Titus to Shinji Ikari. This is great. This is so fantastic. Mm. But, um, it's definitely like of that type of character where y you have this person that's just defined by their shortcomings and they're going to be frustrating because honestly, like this is a character who, if you see a bit of, and I'm not saying that anyone here is doing this, but it, it definitely happened for me where if you see a bit of yourself in this character, that part starts to grate on you, especially. Yeah. And that's, that's me fair. with Titus and with, Shinji where when they start to get into their like downward spirals of yeah. identity and like you know self-worth and all that I'm like oh my god just shut up already and do the thing you're so oh this is I have yeah. this problem <laughs> yeah I mean I mean the other part of this is that like I don't know I, I knew this guy too I knew Titus and I've got parts of Titus in me as well but it's like you're fine, Titus. You st mm. you still went to like Bel Air High School, like the equivalent. You're still like <laughs> you're still like a popular jock that is coasting through life, and now you've been dealt like a tough hand. But mm -hmm. you're still like like you're still very good at the things that you're good at, and also uh, I guess charismatic enough to get these people to be like, yeah, we'll we'll take you around with us. So you know. His his complaining at some mm. point gets to be a lot, you know. Yeah. And um, mm. but you're right. I think I think Luca is kind of where we start to see some of that stuff break away. Yeah, yeah and I think like gives him a slap. <laughs> well, yeah, basically. Yeah, and I think like to the character's credit, I feel like they're doing a good job at least of establishing that this kid does not like his emotions are never acknowledged as valid unless unless it's anger, right. unless it's spite, yep. and you know that might also play into like certain reads people have of this character because like this is like basically like the point where the character is going to like complete an arc is when he's going to cry like when he's going to let himself do that and let himself express the way that he feels about people to their face and yeah so like he doesn't like at this point he doesn't have an outlet of like that he's able to express any emotion beyond annoyance beyond anger beyond right uh, resentment and that's so that's all he's got at this point and I can understand, like, it does feel like we're getting, like, a lot of the same conversations, like, throughout the game, or at least in this early part, where, like, not really getting to the heart of what the issue is, but, like, like Tina's just being like, I don't like him because all of these things, and, like, we can, you know, as the player, perceive them, but he does not necessarily get to that point yet until the right. shit that we're going to get to at the very end of this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, now we got to get to the stuff that Titus is good at, which is playing some Blitzball, baby. Let's go, uh, baby. <laughs> we get this big old cut scene of pulling into the port at Luca. And again, I mentioned this last episode, but here's a real taste of a city that just seems like it's never been like hit by sin. And I think mm. we start to get that impression very fast that this is a city that has not seen some of the suffering that places like Besaid and Kilika has because this is just 
there are buildings everywhere and everything. Yeah. So like, mm. it, it doesn't look like it's disaster modern. has ever struck. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So I immediately from the outset, I'm like, wow, is this really like, this is so different from Kilika and Besaid, uh, in the places we've seen so far, we're in a city. Mm. Um, and I'm glad you noted one of my favorite lines <laughs> as the announcer is introducing all the different, uh, blitzball teams that are coming in for the big tournament. Uh, they're living, breathing, statistical improbability. I've never seen a team this bad. That's great. <laughs> it's this whole section is is very good. I man, I love the blitzball stuff in this game. It's it's great. This team loves sports, like like straight mm-hmm. up. Like whoever yeah. was responsible for really folding blitzball into this game actually has a profound love for sports. Like mm-hmm. that is clear to me because they've thought about a lot of aspects of sport and they've also thought about something that they could have totally skipped this mm-hmm. this kind of introduction to all the teams kind of mm-hmm. contextualizing their stories mm-hmm. they know that sports are almost worthless unless you know the histories behind the teams that are playing them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and this it's 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 what it's like 30 seconds of introducing the the major players in this in this tournament it's mm-hmm. like six teams i think and in that very brief period of time yeah you learn that the aurochs are terrible mm-hmm. um but you also learn a little bit about the other teams you also get to see you know the the vibe and culture of these different teams and like i you know whether you like sports in real life or not is a little bit irrelevant in the sense of they really set the table for you to like go on this journey if you want to Mm. and how they set the table there and how it follows you for the rest of the game. If you're super into blitzball, like I am, and we can talk about that in a little bit later. Um, (laughs) But they like, they really did a good job of making it stand out at the very beginning. And I, 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 I was astonished then. And I still am now about, I think how well they they did that. Mm-hmm. Now, now introducing the game itself, which we'll get to, they did a terrible job. But we'll get to that. Mm. <laughs> I so I you brought up the team intros. I think the other important thing they do here, even though watching this scene again in 2021 was still kind of making me physically cringe in the way it did back then. Sure, was Titus like you know grabbing the megaphone and oh, talking yeah. some smack to the Luca goers and the real Titus laugh that everyone should be pointing out is the one he does at the end of <laughs> that whole segment where he just gives this like Nelson from the Simpsons. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's awful. Oh, yeah. oh that one. Yeah. Sniffling, ri- sniffling rich kid bullshit is what he did at the end of that. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was not a good, he did not cut a good tape, cut a good uh-uh. promo, whatever the wrestling uh-uh. parlance. I don't watch that much wrestling. So I should, yeah, not. He, that was not a good promo. He didn't cut a yeah. good promo. Yeah. Uh-huh. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it is still having that stuff. Like you said, is so important just to develop this storyline. And it's a cool, like little storyline that we have here. And I think it emphasizes a point that was made previous in the game where, Titus was asking Waka, like, are we really still doing this tournament? Like, are we really still praying after they've just seen this, like, horrible carnage in Kilika? And he's right. like, yeah, because, like, look around you. Life kind of sucks. 
and yep. this is this is an escape for a lot of people so if they can watch some blitz ball and cheer on their teams and have like these dreams and these aspirations built on these teams and and it lets them forget about this for a little while then it's worth it it's all worth it and like this is kind of emphasizing the way that like the a plot of this game essentially gets set to the side for a little bit while we do this Blitzball tournament. And then it pops back up again because sin never lets it like fully go away. Right. But, uh, it is a cool little side venture that you get to do here. Uh, that, that I really enjoy. Uh, but we do also get introduced to one other major player in this video game, master Seymour Guado. Um, man, where do I start with Seymour Guado? Um, this dude, from moment one creeps me the fuck out yeah. <laughs> like yeah they just they set the tone with him very early on as oh here's this maester that's super creepy and something is very clearly wrong and then he gives like the the blue steel eyes to yuna for a moment and yep. and she just like gasps and is like and and that's kind of all we get there but it just sets the tone right away that oh something's up with this guy he's I don't know if he's evil, but he's giving off villain vibes. Mm. Um, yeah, Final Fantasy has never really been that subtle about the villain introductions, huh? Like, no, mm. no. I mean, you know, you, you don't know the full, you don't know the full extent of it yet, you know. But you're def, you you definitely get some vibes, and yep. part of part of that is the voice performance. Um, mm. uh, oh my gosh, I just lost his name. I looked it up. Um, I think it's something Fernandez. I got you. I got you. Don't worry. Thank you. Um, he was in. He was in several episodes of season two of True Detective. Anyway, Alex Fernandez. Alex Fernandez. Thank you. Some of that is too the very um, cool and kind of detached voice performance from uh, Alex Fernandez. Like I thought, I actually think his voice performance is pretty strong in this. Mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I know that's a, I know I know Seymour's a bit of a divisive character, but mm. uh I actually really I I kind of like Maester Seymour as a villain and I I like him as a character and I think mm. he is um creepy and sinister for reasons that like you don't really find all that often in a final fantasy game. And we, de- we mm. definitely won't get into that because that's for a much later episode. But, um, th- this introduction is, is, is creepy and it's, mm. and it's punctuated by Maester Meek Micah's introduction. Guado. Mm. I mean, I saw just, that dude and I was also like, Oh, he's up to something. He's too. up to something, right? <laughs> it's just a boat. It's a boat full of people up to something. Here that, comes that all are, the church dudes that are clearly yeah. up to something on their church yeah. boat. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it's, it's good. You know, it's good. Mm. And it also starts the whole like C or D plot that I think is also very funny of like, of of Seymour skeeving out Titus, but no one else is on his page right. for a while, which is great. Yes. Yeah, um, well, he's the only one that can see through the facade of like uh-huh. all the shit. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's like I, that plot in BoJack where he's the only one that notices that the the guy is actually three kids in a trench coat. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny. It's like yeah, no we all see it, it. <laughs> but no one else does. It's pretty good. Yeah, and I think they um. 
something that, I mean, this isn't really something we touched on much beyond the, uh, the moment where they lock eyes. I also like that they gave Yuna a villain in the game alongside yeah, how yeah. Jack is kind of like the one that's supposed to represent Titus. And, um, I think that was actually the point that they made when they were coming up with the, uh, the roster for Dissidia was that they were like, we can't port, we can't put Seymour as a villain because we have Titus in the game. So like they, they wanted it to be like the characters that were diametrically opposed. So like they just never got around to putting Seymour in it. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's good because, like, it is more of, like, maybe not in, like, the most mechanical sense. Like, it, it does put Yuna and Titus, like, constantly on the same sort of level, at least story-wise, to, like, have their own, like, main A-plot uh, villain. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of the more villainous sides of it are almost weird to, like, see through Titus's eyes because I feel like that gets into, like... It gets close to, in some spots, like a sort of, like, damsel in distress dynamic that I think Yuna is, like, way better than, and I think she does a lot to subvert as the game goes on. Yeah, Um, that's what I was going to say is, like, Yuna, like, whereas Titus, you know, is facing his enemy a little bit more head-on directly, like, directly antagonistic, you know, literally fighting each other. Like, Yuna, the way that Yuna ends up navigating this whole Seymour plot ends up being really cool and interesting and kind of establishes her as being a lot more aware than she seems at first. Mm. And I think culminates in some really cool moments in the game too. Yeah. Um, Like especially one of my favorite boss battles in this game is, is around her, you know, finally revealing that she was playing into Seymour's hand intentionally and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's cool. And, and I, I agree that I actually think Seymour is one of my favorite kind of, you know, secondary antagonists in an RPG, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of RPGs attempt to have this sort of character that's, oh, I'm maybe the villain. I could be the villain. Do mm-hmm. you think I'm a villain? And it's all kind of hit or miss, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Seymour really walks that good line of being creepy enough but also intriguing enough that you want to learn more about this character and you want yeah. to know what's up. And then when you do find out what's, what's up with this character, it is just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a villain. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's, it's, it's like Seymour knows that there's something fucked up with this world and you yes. know, and you know that there's something fucked up. So it does make you go, well, does he have the answer? Like, what does he know that I don't? And is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I actually think they play in that space pretty effectively for a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. Um, which I think makes him an effective villain for sure. Right. Yeah. Him is like the antagonist of the church and, and government stuff yeah. in this game works kind of like, very effectively. all right. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I could. Yeah, sure. This mm. seems wrong too. Cause um, you end up having to like formulate your own reasons for why you think this needs to go down right. in the same way that Yuna does. And, yep. and Yuna kind of has to wrestle with it, you know, unlike Titus, who's just like, well, if I stab something, <laughs> if I stab my daddy problems long enough, maybe they'll go away. <laughs> um, so we jump ahead. We're into the Oroch's locker room uh, and Waka's getting their matchup, uh, which, okay, minor, minor thing here but sports person thing nonetheless for some reason the the Aurochs get a bye in this tournament they get a bye yeah as the worst team 
yeah. get a buy. Yeah. Can you tell me what that means? So, a buy means you skip a, a skip a match in a tournament. So if okay. there are if there are six teams in this tournament and you have to play, you know, three rounds to get a champion, there are two teams that mathematically have to skip that first game. Mm-hmm. And it makes no sense that the worst team would skip that game. In fact, they would probably play the Luka Goers, who are the best team in the right. first game, because the number one seeded uh, team or player in a tournament almost always faces the worst team in the first round. Yeah. Or the, or the Goers would get a bye. Yeah, I think the you Goers know. would probably get a bye, and they'd face like the second or third seeded team. Um, probably the second seeded team, and then three and four, or no. They'd face the third seeded, and then the four three, and five would play each other. Three and three and six would play each other. Four and five would play each other, yeah. and then and then it'd go from there. Because mm-hmm. yeah, the idea of of seeding for for those of you at home who may not follow sports, <laughs> um, if you watch like the March Madness tournament every year uh, that the NCAA uh, puts on, they seed in that way because it's a reward you know quote unquote for the teams that have performed very well in the season and have put up a good schedule and have shown that they are a quality team and uh also like i this is me personally speaking there's kind of some element of they want the very popular teams to go deep into the tournament because people will want to watch those teams yes um but it's also like you know you look at the NFL or something like that and it's it's supposed to be the reward that you get for coming first in your division is you get a buy and you get a home game and stuff like that and so in a situation like this giving the statistical improbability of a team a bracket that lets them beat one team and then get into the finals is it's, very very odd very and and it's just it's so transparently to me a workaround to prevent you from having to play through three blitz ball games. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which Thankfully. Is Which gets even weirder because then they tutorialize blitz ball here in its uh-huh. entirety. Uh-huh. And then you don't play blitz ball for like another 30 minutes at least. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you skip the blitz ball match that you were supposed to play uh-huh. because you, Okay, we're like, we're gonna get there. <laughs> well, but it's like mecha- mechanics, right? It's like why wouldn't you? You're playing, uh, you're playing a worse team than the goers first. So why wouldn't you tutorialize that one and also play through it and like, you know, cut your teeth with the easy thing? Um. Anyway, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let's talk about the Blitzball tutorial, which is awful. I think the the patron saint of the road to hell is paved with best intentions of here is this massive in-depth tutorial that is just kind of a slog to get through to understand what this video game is trying to do with the systems of Blitzball. Um, And I'm someone who has played this game many, many times. And every time I play it, I come out of it thinking I know less about Blitzball than I actually do. Because I think it's a much easier game to understand once you're actually playing it than when you're being fed text window after text window after text window of these concepts of how it's supposed to work. 
they they make it so complicated like uh, even the tutorial to me highlights aspects of that game that just shouldn't exist like there's part of it that's like oh you can just auto move around Mm -hmm. no no you never want that on ever if you want to win this game never ever play auto so i'm not even sure why they give you that option because maybe go by faster and you can get out of it quicker i guess i guess but it's like why not skip it if you've decided i'm not going to play blitzball let me skip this and we'll just take the l and you'll see the cutscenes. but instead they're like well you can play it in all these different ways even though if you want to win there's a very specific set of things that you need to do um like why wouldn't they just establish the the key factors and also just like trust that you'll want to play it and if you don't give you the option to skip like the intro to blitzball i've put it i put a hundred hours into blitzball by itself in my life hell yeah (laughs) and and the introduction to this thing that i've spent in a really truly insane amount of time with is terrible i mean it is a terrible introduction to this thing Mm -hmm. um and it is shocking to me it it's honestly very surprising to me that they didn't go back and in the remasters mm. do exactly what I just said, either allow you to skip it or, you know, get like, just give you the elements of this game that you need to win. And, you know, that because there is a lot of reward in kind of figuring out what kind of team you want to build. This is getting into the weeds. I'm so sorry, but oh no, um, this is the time to get into the weeds because I but, imagine after this, Ken's never going to want to talk about Blizzard again. <laughs> I already don't want to talk about it now. So, <laughs> but it's like if you want to get into like get get kind of the blueprint of how to win and and go deep with that. Play you know play both games. Like, give you the option to play both games in their entirety instead of interrupting them, and we can get to that, too. Mm-hmm. But it's like, the the intro to this is just one of the all-time boneheaded game design mistakes, in my opinion, of, like, this is putting such a terrible foot forward to a thing that some people genuinely love. And I'm not saying that, like, a better tutorial would have made Ken like this game. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But, like, I think just kind of doing it dirty the way they did is an an unfathomable Mm. crime to me anyway. Yeah. If you think about the sequence that this plays out in, um, you get given a lengthy tutorial that is, you know, covering stuff that you don't even really actually need to deal with yet because you don't need to care about marking opponents to learn their abilities or things like that. No. And then you're you're taken out of that tutorial. So you've just learned a bunch of things. You're like, okay, time to put it into practice. And the game goes, oh, wait, never mind. You're going to go do some Final Fantasy stuff for a little bit. And okay, mm-hmm. okay, I'll go over here. And then, and then you're thrown back into it. And you're thrown back into it with the worst possible team you could have in this video game for Blitzball. Uh-huh versus some of the best characters in at least like until you can start recruiting the really high-end people that are in this game Mm -hmm. like this is an extremely challenging team to play like there's a very clear deficit and also uh as as the game will not tell you there is a a trade-off point that happens and and there are there are elements of 
the Luca Goers game that frustrate me on an individual level. Like the yes. fact that you can't equip the jack shot until the second half. Yep. And yep. and then the random moment when it's like, okay, Titus is no longer playing now Waka's in uh-huh. uh, that you have to be aware of because Titus is the only one that's going to be able to score on some of the Luca goers yep. and, and understand exactly right. <laughs> and, and there are parts of it where I wish the game had better explained to you, you know, here, here's how to look at matchups, right? So like you've got a character that's got really high shot and over here is another character that has really low block. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, that if you get those two matched up and you play to that side of the field, then you're going to have an easier time scoring on the right side of the field. Than you're going to have scoring on the left side of the field. So get Titus matched up over there where there's a mismatch of players and you're going to have more success. And, and like stuff, stuff like that is so what makes sports interesting on a gameplay level on a strategic level. Right. And instead they just kind of give you, like you said, the worst possible introduction to what this they, thing can be, and they give you they give you the bare elements, but don't really tell you the relationship between those. Yeah, things. and and I personally think that Blitzball is something that is maybe more conceptually interesting nowadays than it is actually fun to play. Sure. And I think you have to be a particular kind of person that really enjoys the concept of a sports RPG to get into it the way that. Uh, that that folks have and and if you do like the idea of a sports rpg then hi hello this is this is the game <laughs> you were looking for um and you're probably a person who thinks that blitzball should be in final fantasy 14 which it should be it should um, be but can you can, uh, sorry really quick detour can you fucking imagine how cool it would be if you had to do like globe trotting free agency signing in Final Fantasy fourteen? It would be amazing. Can you I'd imagine if there were incredible. like streamed games where you could go and sit in the oh stands my, oh my God. and people were competing and you could see them compete in real time? What if I could gamble with my thing? gill? Hi, yeah. you can have my fatter cat mount if the Busado Rocks win. And you've got like you've got you know all the the Ronsos and the cat girls and and yeah. the the different folks of, of Final Fantasy. I don't know that much about Final Fantasy fourteen except that there's a free trial. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the free trial up to level sixty. Yeah, yeah. But um, you have them like out in the stands, and they could be wearing. You could have team attire. There could be you have team attire. teams that you could, you could get have team attire, attire that you wear because you have field you have field outfits and you have like battle outfits. You could do all sorts of team shit with the field outfits. It would be incredible. Incredible. It would be so good. And yeah, yeah, it it doesn't even need to be like fascinating to play. It just has to be entertaining to watch and create that community environment that I think 14 is pretty well known for of, you know, having being an interesting place to be in and and a world to inhabit and it could work so well. And Yeah, I and, it, yeah. just the, the 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 quickest redo of the tutorial I can give someone is each player has speed. You mm-hmm. need to shoot the ball in the hoop. You've got two defensive tactics. One is blocking, and one is breaking mm-hmm. or tackling. Um, it's not up to you on defense what you you do, block or defend. Um, you. If, if your opponent has low block, then you should not break to them. You should just shoot it or pass it. Breaking means you are giving people an opportunity to attack you. Mm-hmm. And 
if you have high defense and they have low attack, you can break to them and basically just get past them and then shoot the ball or whatever. It's it's it is not that complicated and they overcomplicated it. Um and then it yeah, you know, like it gets crazy. Like that game gets crazy, but mm-hmm. it's not crazy when you're first starting out to me. Right. It's, um it's got some interesting concepts in there about using HP over the course of a match, which I think right. is cool. You know, do you use up all your stamina early or do you save it for late and different shot types and, and stuff like that? It gets to an interesting place, but I don't think it exhibits any of that no, very well early on. No. Um, outside of like the, the infamous strategy that everyone has to know going into this, that they want to win, which I'm also going to say winning, not even that important, <laughs> not that important, but it fe- but it feels important. Like it, uh, to me, when I realized that this game was winnable, it felt so important to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I don't I don't hate the game, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't actively hate what I'm doing. I'm just frustrated because the deck is stacked against me. Mm-hmm. It became so important that I won it. I think I lost the game the first time I played it, and it and I and I was mad about it the entire time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it became important for me to win. Well, well but it's let's... not important. Let's pull back from that a little bit. Let's and, do it. And go back to why we are not doing Blitzball the first time around. And that's <laughs> that's because after we've just had our little, you know, skirmish inside the Blitz sphere, after we've had our time on the field, uh, we come back into the locker room and you know and Lulu are saying that uh, they heard that Oren was in town. Um, so uh, Waka's like, okay, you know, be quick game starts soon you know just be back fast i i get where this guy is at you know he's this is his last time competing he wants to make the most of it titus has kind of gotten in his head like no we're not just going to go out there to play we're going to go out there to win and stuff like that and all of a sudden titus is like oh hey my uncle figure is in town i'm just going to bounce and go looking for him real quick (laughs) uh so i i understand a little bit of the frustration from waka here um, and we also get Titus making a big oof on the way out as we go looking for Oren. I'm glad you you noted this as well, <laughs> Ken. Uh, on the way out, we we notice some Albed, and so we we've learned that the Albed Sykes are going to be the first team that we play in the tournament bracket, and we notice some of them uh, hanging out in the hallway as we're leaving, and Titus just straight up goes. Hey, I met an all bed named Riku a while back. Y'all know Riku? (laughs) They just kind of look at him and just give him the face that should be given to that sort of question. And he's like, oh, never mind. And then later. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, I mean, we're we're starting to get to the point where Final Fantasy X is going to talk about its racism allegory, like in more concrete ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, just... To get, for Tia to start off this section being like, oh, all Albed must know each other. Big oof. It's, it's rough. Yeah. yeah. That's rough. <laughs> y'all speak the same language, right? So y'all know <laughs> each other, right? It's it's that moment where, like, in my head I was thinking, well, Titus has only seen, you know, two groups of Albed people so far in this game. So 
he maybe in his head he's thinking that but at the same time why is he making that assumption in the first place yeah it's, and it's pretty weird what did xanarkin look like in titus's time <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no it suddenly raises a lot of questions about titus and and his upbringing in, before before this game um so outside uh yuna's getting swamped by some press and stuff uh and they they have a little conversation titus and yuna do about not wanting to get separated yuna says she doesn't want to ever get separated from titus so titus teaches her how to whistle says if you ever whistle if you're forever apart just whistle i'll come running and she's she's kind of unable to do it I've never been able to do it. I've tried to do my this mouth sort is of broken whistle. and raw and fucked up, so I probably can't do it. Well, I'm excited for for you to hopefully be able to do it after that. <laughs> but I've I've never been able to do it myself. I oh, like the the hand and mouth mm-hmm. whistle thing. Yeah, the like I the circle and mouth thing. No, I can't. I can't even that. normally whistle. So no, um, no. Also, I love that Tina's is like. Yeah, just whistle. I'll find you. As if, as if he thinks he invented whistling. Like yeah, no that's, one that's else not like a common thing people <laughs> that's might not do. Like a common thing to do. Yeah, that's the best. Titus constantly running into like community pools and stuff. Like, oh, sorry, I thought Yuna was here. I thought she <laughs> Damn, was in trouble. Sorry. <laughs> it's gonna make blitzball practice really it's, awkward. <laughs> I was about to say, like every time halftime hits of blitzball, he's like, "Fuck, Yuna! Oh no!" Oh. Uh, <laughs> No, no, Titus invented whistling and doesn't understand the concept of diversity. It's okay. We've established these <laughs> facts already. <laughs> um, so they they keep going into the city and we really get a sense of like how big this, this city is. And Yuna even comments on it that large gatherings like this are very uncommon because the more that people gather together, the more likely it is that sin is, is going to show up and, and ruin the party foreshadowing (laughs) um and that's when titus starts to talk about how much larger xanarkand is it's you know it's massive the skies reach way into this or or the the buildings reach way into the sky and uh they're all cramped together and stuff and yuna just has no concept of what that could be like just absolutely no idea (laughs) um which is cool it's it's neat you know i Mm. i do like Again, one of the aspects I like about this game is how it feels like a rural road trip, mm-hmm. like almost almost like it's going through like areas of the American Midwest and <laughs> and you're seeing a bunch of like small towns, you know, right. that are at every pit stop along the way. Um I know here in Texas, I John, you might be able to help me with this. I've heard it once, but I don't know if it's a real thing or if it's just a thing that people have said before, but Apparently, I, I've heard that every X number of miles on a highway, there's supposed to be a city or a town in Texas. And that's just kind of a remnant from how they built this stuff. And so that's why when you go driving through Texas, you'll see a bunch of like really tiny towns along the highways that are down here. Um, I, don't know I mean, that... Eric, I don't know if you've driven across like the rest of the state from like I... Abilene to El Paso, but... There's well, nothing there. I I have I haven't driven Abilene to El Paso, but I have driven like Abilene, you know, Austin to Lubbock and stuff like that. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah. There no. are so definitely there's, stretches there's of there. it where there's stuff there, but not a lot of stuff there. <laughs> you, you can you can basically cut Texas down the middle, and on the right side, there'll be there'll be a town every few miles. 
Yes. On the left side, there's fuck all. There's yes. no, there's nothing in that part of the state. It is yeah. wild. Like you get to El Paso and you're like, thank Christ, I found <laughs> somewhere. Um, yeah, I've done that. I've done that drive a few times and there's not much. I don't know if there's truth that like there has to be, or like there on there the major highways something at least. specifically on yeah. major highways. Um, it sure didn't feel that way when I drove it a couple times. But uh, yeah, maybe maybe on that right half. It's what I get reminded of when I play this game because it yeah. feels like it's one of the cool things I like about this game is that it does feel like a pilgrimage. And part of that is the way that civilization has mapped itself to this path that you're mm-hmm. on. And like, I feel like you get a real sense of, you know, this path has existed because summoners need to go from point A to point B, right. To get to the point that they can, defeat sin and complete their pilgrimage and we i don't always feel like the date the game does a good job of like showing the order of the pilgrimage let's say because i feel like there are, like i feel like there should have been more summoners at besaid if that's where you're truly supposed to like quote unquote start out well and all i don't that. think that's what i don't think that that's the intention is that people start at besaid i think like people they start at whatever you. their hometown is yeah and then go through yeah uh, but you do see how cities and paths and highways have sprung up around the paths that these people need to take to complete their journey and how intrinsic that is to life that's even defined the way that civilization has been built in this world. Like it is developed along the paths necessary for the summoners to complete their pilgrimage. And there are still occasions where you have to go through, you know, dangerous routes and stuff like that but it's always still places that trade exists through that caravans move through that merchants operate between and so this was just a moment where i really appreciated that idea of these places are built on the path and you can really see the effect that sin has not just on the people but even on the way that life has formed in spira Mm. since sin became a thing yeah it's it's neat it's interesting anyways uh where were we we go to the cafe and we're looking around for Oren, uh and then kimari starts to uh to get into some shit <laughs> kimari for development for the guy that doesn't speak i know right and he doesn't really speak here either he just kind of quietly looks at them as they taunt him and do their battle stance idol poses which is very funny to me <laughs> that one of them has that like leg slapping pose that he does while he's in battle later on. And it makes me very happy that he does that. (laughs) Um, But here we get the idea that Kimari is actually pretty small for a Ronso, at least compared to uh, B-Ron and Yankee. Is that those are those B-Ron and Yankee? B-Ron and Yankee. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I love that Kamari's little, little doesn't have a horn. Yeah, he's just a little guy. Mm -hmm. It's great. You not Biron not even see you there. (laughs) 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 I I love this whole scene because there's there's something that I really even though I still think that Kamari gets the short end of the stick when it comes to everything in this game from being not that interesting of a character in combat to having probably the the least narrative beats in the story as a character Mm -hmm. 
I often like real talk. I often forget that Kimari exists mm-hmm. in this video game. <laughs> um, but when he does show up and when he does have stuff that's specifically about him, I'm always like, man, I like Kimari a lot. Kimari is a cool character. I wish he had gotten a fairer shake in this game than mm. what he did get. Yeah. Kimari is like a coworker that you just <laughs> never really got to know, but then sometimes they'll like make a joke in a meeting or like bring something good for lunch. And you're like, you know what? I like that guy. I don't know him very well, but I do like him. Quiet fella. Quiet fella. <laughs> yeah. I think but, like, to, his, to his credit, like they do write by him more intent too. And I think that a lot of that comes from like the perspective yeah. that you are engaging with the world is somebody that he might be more inclined to speak to. Um, that's fair yeah. and I like yeah. what, I like what I like what he's got going on over there because like in 10 like he has like a very designated spot on the map where he is allowed to like have like meaningful internal conflict and in 10 he gets to stay there the whole time so. yeah <laughs> yeah that's true I can't wait till we get to 10 2 it's gonna be really interesting yeah, it's a that's a good video game some might say <laughs> the best one <laughs> The hot takes already here. Um, so we they get into a bar fight after Titus kind of eggs him on a little bit, being the good friend that he is. Uh, and uh, the game is kicking off while we are still in the bar dealing with the bar fight. And as the, the Oroks and the Sykes begin to play Blitzball, uh, we come back to the cafe and Lulu shows up is like you morons yuna's not here yuna's gone she straight up got kidnapped by the Albed sykes and they're holding her hostage and saying that the aurochs have to throw the match in order to uh in order to get her back um yeah so we're not doing very good at this whole guardian thing already no, we're not we even of, a guardian yet <laughs> yeah we, we had one job and we're kind of fucking it up pretty bad uh so then we, we, we go on a big old fight through the the streets of of Luca and we deal with a bunch of machina on the way. And this is this part's always bizarre to me because I'm like, this there's a sports team out here that's not only openly kidnapped a summoner who is a pretty high profile person, but they've done it pretty brazenly and they're putting machina, which are forbidden by the church just out in the streets to impede the progress of the guardians of the summoner. And I just had that moment where I was like, why did, why are they not DQing the Albed Sykes? <laughs> why are, why are they letting this go on? I guess they're like, Oh, well, if they, if they stop the match, you know, maybe something bad happens to Yuna. But I, I just had this moment where I was like, what, what is happening in this segment? <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a union, right? Maybe there's a players union. It's like, you can't, you can't destroy our team just because we've defied, uh, religious law. Um, <laughs> the players you union can't do it. It's like, we're allowed to blackmail the other team. Yeah. <laughs> like we're untouchable. Sorry. I, we're still going to play blitzball, but you know, whatever contracts. <laughs> I mean, I would love it if, I don't know. There was a famous brawl in the NBA called Malice at the Palace between the Detroit Pistons and the Indiana Pacers. And instead of it being about fans throwing stuff at um, at uh, a player and then uh, the players getting into a brawl, I wish that the Indiana Pacers had like kidnapped 
um, like the daughter of the owner of of, of the Detroit Pistons. I wish that had been the basis of the. Of that would the be fight. so much more dramatic. <laughs> be so cool. Yeah, it'd be amazing if uh, yeah Ron Artest like kidnapped the daughter of uh, the Detroit Pistons owner, and the Pistons had to go go figure that out. Had to go fight a bunch of robots. To, yeah. <laughs> to Hell yeah. Back. Oh. The sports RPGs that aren't being made out there, it really breaks my heart sometimes. It, it does to me, too. Honestly, it does me, too. I'm like, you, sports games in general could be so much more. I played I played my 20th broken Madden game in a row this year, and I'm just like, there's a better world. There's a better life somewhere here. I feel like we, we saw some of that with Blazeball and, and the idea that somebody can come at it with this idea of let's yeah. do sports, but see what sports can be in the yeah. process. Sure. And that was extremely refreshing. And I always hope that like a Mario sports game is just going to really go for it because that yeah. seems like the only hope at this point to get some weird bonkers sports stuff that isn't just, Please. you know, we're trying to simulate real life sports and also do it in a way that's kind of you know we, we love the nfl we love professional establishment sports don't talk about the concussions or anything right no i um, mean just please give me a coin-based franchise mode in a mario game like oh, oh god mario's got the most coins because of course of course yeah. no wario wario is the richest owner right oh so god he's got, the Wario's got got his own like jerry world <laughs> that he's yeah, running exactly <laughs> he's god. sitting up there with a giant jumbotron going <laughs> god we have to quit blowing our shot on pod we have to put this in a design doc and try to sell it to nintendo <laughs> amen oh anyway. my god so anyways <laughs> we get moving along and we finally uh we, we do get to look up at the screen as we go uh, and see how Waka's doing. And Waka's just, he's getting given the business out there in, in the sphere. So they don't say on the field or whatever. They'd say like in the bubble. I don't know. What's the what's the parlance? I think it's, for, a, I think it's in the water or in the sphere. <laughs> in the water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, get, he, he gets pretty beat up and not even a red card on it or anything. Uh, <laughs> and Lulu starts getting annoyed because Waka's just kind of pouting. You know, he's getting beaten up and then he pouts and Lulu's like, oh, he's always like this. Gets all on his feelings when he's getting his butt kicked in the water like this. Which us? is also, I, this is a very sports thing too. It's it's that whole idea of like, oh, the other team's playing rough and I don't like it. We're having, you know, an athlete gets in their head and it's somebody else fair. is like, get out of your head. Like, outplay them do better than them you're better than this like that's a very good sports beat that's a friday night lights story hit right there <laughs> yeah um and we find the albed ship and we jump on board uh this giant aircraft carrier of a thing and they have a giant machina that i really need to emphasize is essentially a pitching machine for blitz it's balls machine. it's a pitching machine <laughs> it is maybe one of my favorite designs of a boss in an RPG ever just it's in great. terms of visual design it is fantastic i love it it's so dumb and so cool yeah uh, oh and it's also it's, final it's fantasy 10 getting way into the idea of having specific mechanics i'm sorry john you're saying something no 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 i was just saying it's amazing it's like if you yeah. had to fight a zamboni in a <laughs> in a hockey game or something it'd be great <laughs> 
yeah we we strapped a uh, a pitching machine to the top of like the the lawnmower that they use to cut the grass or whatever and, and now it's wheeling towards you to murder you <laughs> um but we also get a really cool boss fight where we use really cool like one-off mechanics for the fight which this one is basically shock a crane until it starts working and we can use the rip cord to start it up and then literally take the pitching machine off the top of the robot so we can kill it and like doing that essentially ends the fight because once Mm -hmm. you take the top of the machine off you do most of its life and damage to it and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a couple more rounds and it's done but it's it's silly and it's fun and i think it's interesting and again this is like final fantasy 10 having some fun with what Mm -hmm. its boss fights can be and so even if it's not a difficult fight, I still appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. I don't know. This, this game is a good fight. I mean, I love the environmental stuff in this game. I love mm-hmm. ripping ripping the ripping the half the body off of this thing. So it's just like, well, now it's decimated. It's mm-hmm. fun. I they do a stuff. lot of interesting stuff with those interactions throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they definitely do. So Yuna gets set free and Titus, of course, looks around the ship and he's like, this is an Albed ship. So maybe my Albed friend is here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, and she also asks if someone named, Yuna also asks if someone named Sid was on the the ship. Uh, so Yuna also falling prey to the same pitfall. (laughs) Um, uh, do y'all know Sid? No. (laughs) All right. No Riku, no Sid, anything? No? Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And yeah, we then learn that uh, Sid is her uncle that they've never met and that Yuna is half all bed. Surprise. Um, Braska got married to an all bed woman and, and Yuna is their offspring. Uh, and and Yuna was told if she ever needed help, she could seek out Sid. Uh, and then Lulu tells Titus not to tell Waka because Waka is super racist. <laughs> Waka is a humongous racist. And then Titus immediately says, "I gotta tell Waka." And Lulu's like, "I literally just said we that was the one thing I asked this. you not to do seconds ago." Which I don't really know why. Like, I, I guess like they're they're like. I don't really know what they're trying to illustrate with that beyond maybe that Titus just doesn't understand racism. Like, like I mean, we've seen evidence that he does not understand that, so, like, maybe that's just, like, that. But no. then also, it's, like, a laugh line, like, oh, I can't keep secrets from Waka. Can, can you imagine if Jake the dog was, like, a religious racist? <laughs> <laughs> I just, because I can't hear anyone else but Jake the dog when I hear Waka now. I um, oh god I had been not making that connection this whole game even though I used to watch a lot of Adventure Time and I love Final Fantasy X but I'd never really been fully connecting the two and now that I hear it I'm just like Finn dog can't go near those all bed <laughs> yeah oh, I, can't, no. I can't unhear it I either hear Bender or I hear or I hear Jake the dog but yep. I I rarely hear Waka Oh, the no. essence of Waka has been destroyed for me, unfortunately. Oh, no. Which is a bummer because I'm like, yeah, I, I wish I could accept this character for what for the the weird racist he is, I guess. But uh, nope, I just hear Jake the dog. Anyway, 
it is it is suiting to Normandy FM that we have to go through another game with a character who one of their defining character traits <laughs> that they have to wrestle with throughout the game is racist. Racist. <laughs> Yeah, Ash, the, the ghost of Ashley Williams lingers on this podcast. Wow, Vermeer what a, what a round table! Enough. What a round table that would be, Ashley and Waka. Oh, oh no, it's like the Damn. worst podcast I've ever heard. Awful podcast. <laughs> oh no, guests on Joe Rogan's show. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, so, anyways, after we we go through all that, uh, Lulu sends up a flare. Uh, to signal that Yuna's okay, which is the Oryx signal to actually start playing the game of Blitzball, <laughs> which win. I would argue the Oryx <laughs> are not competent enough of a team to pull that off, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh. this is really funny. Sorry, John, it's were you just... Good... Oh, no, it's a good moment. I was just It's just really funny. It's like they see fireworks, and they're like, okay, we can win now. <laughs> yeah, when was the go signal given for that was my other like point of confusion like right how how long how were they Titus and kimari in that bar fight for <laughs> right that not yeah. only was yuna kidnapped but there was enough of a communique between the kidnappers <laughs> and waka and lulu that they not only established what they were going to do and how they were going to handle it but created a system by which they would understand when it's time to start playing blitzball again like yeah we, we definitely skipped some skip some moments there that was sure. a long bar fight <laughs> yep <laughs> Um yeah. So they they start playing the Orox win, but Waka is real real beat up uh from it. Uh Titus tries to bring up Chapu and Waka and all that to Lulu and Lulu's just not having any of it. It's just like, no, you don't get to talk to me about this stuff. We her. we do not have that relationship. Like who who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> why did you think that i would want to talk to you about this um also you're not going to deal well with the truth either titus it's not like you're like the most emotionally like sensitive right stable person exactly yeah like yeah I'm, I'm weird about you because you look so much like waka's dead brother i was in love with it's mm. like T- I, titus i do i wouldn't trust you with that information yeah. why would why would lulu <laughs> It makes it makes a certain line way later in Guado Salam that you can say Lulu so much weirder. Like it, oh, I didn't even put that together. I until didn't right even now. think about that. Right? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Titus, bad Titus, Titus. bad de- bad intrusive thoughts. Titus, you got to hit X on those dirty, with dirty a corresponding direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so when we get back to the locker room uh waka's just absolutely spent but not enough to stop being racist towards albed uh (laughs) it just straight up is like don't go near albed anymore yuna and yuna's like okay okay (laughs) um and and so he's he's decided that he's gonna warm the bench while titus takes his place uh for the next game and then we get another little scene with Lulu and Waka where they kind of have a heart to heart and, you know, Waka opens up a little bit, you know, has some vulnerability to him and Lulu is kind of willing to meet him halfway on that. And then he just kind of passes out and collapses as like, you know, it's that he's just exhausted and Lulu's like, Oh, you really did give it your all, huh? And they leave 
they leave a nice little message on the wall where it's, you know, my best memories are here. Waka captain of the Besaid Aurochs. Um, it's, it's, it's a sweet little like end of a storyline for this character. Um, that some might argue gets a little undone in a moment, but Hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's, I like the way that they capped it off here, mm-hmm. even though again, another weird sports thing, they literally just finished one game and now they're going right back into the water to play another. Um, yeah. Please give these teams a break. Mm. <laughs> please uh, let them rest. Yeah. Yeah. This is why they need a players union. Clearly. They, this is <laughs> desperately. Yeah. Um, and then we also, right before we get into the match, we see Oren walking up into the stands. So you know, put a pin in that, but <sighs> Ken, you seem to not really like Blitzball. <laughs> Did you no. have any thoughts you wanted to express on Blitzball that we didn't cover earlier? No. You good? Oh, okay, I just generally, like, I mean, we talk about how the tutorial is, like, the, I think it's, like, the, the core problem of all of this. Because, like, I was thinking, like, they do such a good job of, like, teaching you the battle system bit by bit. Where Blitzball, yeah. which I would argue is, like, more complex, or at least yep. equally complex to the battle system of this game, they just give you this fucking list of things like, here, go pick, like, go pick through each and every one of them. And so, like, maybe I would hate Blitzball less if it taught it to me properly, but mm. it didn't. And so... I think it, it it assumes a baseline of understanding of sports that, like, I don't mm-hmm. think is there, and I also don't think is, like... It, the sport is not analogous to another sport enough to just make that leap to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, so... It's closest comparison is like soccer, right? I think that's like the easiest thing to compare it to because it kind of functions the same, but it's like, it's kind of like water polo too. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now I think about it is very much water polo, but you know, you know who, you know, who doesn't like consume any sort of water polo, the whole fucking world. No one knows how to play that game. (laughs) We, we watch it once every four years when the Olympics are on. And we go, wow, that looks like a rough and a very, very tiring sport. Mm-hmm. We don't know how the rules work. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they did a good job. It, I would even argue that Blitzball is in ways simpler than the battle mode, but they didn't even, they didn't, they assumed too much, I think, about everyone's baseline of, like, sports knowledge to, like, to do that. Anyway. I will point out that there is one aspect of it that I think could be better illustrated or at least explained in the game that Ken points out in the notes here, which is trying to pass to someone that's behind you when all the defenders right. are in front of you. You yeah. would think that would be like a safe that would thing matter. to do. And even in soccer, that would th- theoretically be a safe thing to do. Right. Uh, but I think the concept they're going for is that like multiple defenders have collapsed on you crowded you. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're more supposed to be around you crowding you and not necessarily all in a line, but they need to put them in a line because that's kind of how the battle system fundamentally works in this game. And this is a sports game being grafted onto uh, an RPG battle system. And so uh, it hits some limits there. All all I'm saying is again, just, just put in final fantasy 14. Just do that. Just do it. Just do it again. Just I try it again. That that game has more like action systems built into it and isn't built on top of like a turn-based system that you're trying to navigate. And there you go. That's all you have to do. Yep. It's that simple. I, I sound That's like simple. everyone that posts on like gaming forums now. <laughs> Just do this. Just, Just hit the this. button that does this. <laughs> it's so easy. Baby could do it. <laughs> 
Um, but they should do that no matter how much it, it costs. I'm, I'm yeah. kidding also on that part. <laughs> um, uh, so here's the other weird thing about this. Our first blitz ball match. We play with Titus and the Aurochs. We get to halftime, you know, Titus, it, it, it's a struggle. Yeah. I think I was, I think I honestly might've tied it up at half and then won with a Waka shot in, in the second half. I did win when I, when I played this, just to be clear, I'm the blitz ball King, but, uh, <laughs> it's, um, halfway through the second half of this Titus just decides that he's like, you know what? This should be Waka's thing to do. Even though he literally just got beaten to a pulp and was like, yo, I cannot play. I'm too injured to play. He swims into the locker room and is like, Waka, you should go out there. And Waka's like, you know what? Okay, let's go. And I, yeah, I, I don't like this because even though it's supposed to be that, you know, one last hurrah and everyone's really happy to see Waka and Waka gets this final, you know, praise that he's always deserved and the whole stadium chanting his name. And, uh, you know, if you win the, the match, then it's this really good culmination for his storyline. I felt like they already had a good cap off to this point. Right. In the story. And then they, they obviously can't have it after this for, for reasons that we'll get to in a moment. Like they can't just do that scene later. And so it feels like there's two endings to Waka's sports career that we see in a row and they can either be really positive or really kind of negative. Like he can come back out for one last game and then lose to the Luca goers, right. <laughs> which feels strange. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, do you know what they could have done? Let's hear They could have not had the Luca goers match. It could have been interrupted by sin. And then when things get, you know, a little more settled and then the free agency opens up later, mm-hmm. they they have that final match to kick off that segment of 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 play. Like they're like That would have been sick. Yeah. Like Sin ruined this moment for Waka and it ruined it for everyone. The the Besedorox and Luca Gore is gonna have their finals match now, now that we've, you know, settled a bit and can do this. That I mean, that would have been cool because that would then that would have been something to give Waka proper closure. But you're right. They like they drew it out too much and tried to cram too much into this. So you don't really actually get those moments. Mm. Anyway. I, I'm still like, I know that eventually the Albed Sykes thing will play into a later plot point, but it feels like yeah. they're plugging it here for reasons that feel very convoluted and don't pay off. Yeah. And I think by the time they do pay off, this plot point is so far in the past that it's way far behind. Yeah. Yeah. That that they could have put in I mean, but they even have other moments later on in this game where the same plot point comes up and, and you have to deal with it. So why did they right. do it here? Other than to have their super sick blitzball pitching machine boss battle <laughs> <laughs> on a boat, which fair but I, I don't know it's i you, you want to talk about sports narratives and how like narrative feeds sports and stuff like that that would have been a reason for players to want to keep doing the blitzball stuff is right set yep. set up this idea of oh the season's just getting started and the luca goers want their revenge and all that right. so because yeah. really i i mean 
Blitzball is just kind of there for you to partake in if you want to. And I think it's tied to one of the legendary weapons, isn't it? Isn't yeah, the Waka's? Yeah, it's tied to Waka's. Yeah. Or, or is it the weapon or the reels? I can't remember. It might be both. Oh, it might be both. Yeah. There, there, there are unlockables in the game tied to the Blitzball stuff. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm guessing, Ken, you never got. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't get the lightning dodging thing. I was like, fuck this. Oh, but I might stream I, myself trying to do lightning dodging. God, I would love that. <laughs> I I think I I think I've already determined that I will do that at some point. That'd but be great. Uh yeah, no, I mean I don't think I've ever gotten the blitzball stuff either, but that's also because I don't feel like the game broadcasts that this stuff is there and that you should go do it if you want that stuff. And it doesn't give right. you, like I said, a narrative reason to want to do it. It's just, hey, do you want to engage with this mini game? Which is also kind of hard to remember is a thing because you basically this is getting maybe a little bit ahead of ourselves but i don't know when else this would ever come up in the podcast but the idea of scouting npcs and hiring them to your blitzball team and all that like is is a thing that i think most people just absolutely forget about as they play this game because it gets assigned off to another button and you'd have to be running up to all these npcs and being like hey do you play blitzball hey do you play blitzball you want to be on my blitzball team and yeah it's well and and every player levels up in different ways so right that this is one thing i would say go find the game fac Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. like for the blitzball players and you'll see that like keepa at level 99 is like a great scorer but a terrible goalie um and like wedge becomes one of the best goalies in the world but when you first get him he's like a good scorer so like players level up and they even out and stuff in different ways, um, and so yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a it's so complicated, but I love it. And it's neat, but it's I feel like the game just gives you no reason to want to they, engage with it. No, is, is my really. problem. Yeah, uh, and having that narrative hook would have really helped. I think it would have been great. Would have pushed you in the right direction. A hundred percent anyways none of it matters because you don't have to win this blitzball match to proceed so ken doesn't even care <laughs> and we move oh right God, along what if you to... had to fucking win what, what if you had, had to, had to play that. to keep going what if so, you had to mm, win Ugh, I, this tattoo would not be on my arm <laughs> ken ken when does this podcast air again what date does it air the 15th and and can we say this won't go up until after a certain date <laughs> i i don't know okay well yeah let's just say i've played a game recently that did a thing where you it wasn't a forced loss boss fight but it was like you had to do a certain amount of damage to the boss to end it and the boss was there's a massive deficit between where you're at and where the boss is at and that's kind of what the Luca goers boss fight. I mean, yeah. it is a boss fight. It's that's what it feels like. And if yeah. if they turned that into some sort of forced win situation, it would just feel miserable. I think, uh, and it, more miserable than it does already, uh, as you are trying to grapple with these concepts that you've barely understood, and also like had your tutorial on interrupted. It's like if there was a fire alarm in the middle of you learning about a math concept and then you came back and you just had to start taking the test on it right away. Uh, yeah, it's it's bad. <sighs> Anyways, none of it matters because Sin shows up. <laughs> and uh, 
fiends start raining into the sphere and into the stands and everyone's getting attacked and things are going super bad. And, and luckily, Waka, Mr. Murder Blitzball Ban himself, is here with his weapon already in hand. I like to imagine he just grabbed the Blitzball for the game yeah, <laughs> and just started murdering fish with it, which, again, begs the question, could Waka murder a person with a Blitzball? Even though we have the answer to that, the answer is yes. But, um, you know, does he hold back in the Blitzball arena to not murder people with the Blitzball? Who can, can say? You, can but, you fucking imagine if they just sold baseballs in stores that had like razor blades on them and stuff? <laughs> like, what a weird idea. It's like, oh, get your weapons, everyone. All right, T, just get your sword. Uh, Kamari, get your spear. Uh, Lulu, get your voodoo doll. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just grab grab your four square ball. Waka, <laughs> your your red playground ball, <laughs> your your ball that every time it hits someone, it makes that that very distinctive uh, bouncing oh, ball. The side. sound is so good. Yeah, it's a great sound. But it, who would it kill? I don't know. But he throws it with enough velocity to murder like giant Incredible. monsters. Like, Incredible. Fit. And and also he gets ones that eventually like turn people to stone and yeah. stuff like that. And extremely cursed blitz balls. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's going to Academy sports and outdoors and, or like bass pro shop. <laughs> and they, they like pull out the, the normal like playground balls. And he's like, I need no, something no. for a more refined taste. And they take him to the back where they like John wick <laughs> the whole thing. And they've just got these murder balls all held up. We've sawed a 12 gauge shotgun to this blitz ball. <laughs> it's a blitz ball it's got some c4 on the front (laughs) um yeah it's oh it's it's wild and it's silly and i love it uh this is also what caused us to call him the tim tebow of of blitz ball was his devotion to yevin (laughs) and stuff he really is forgot to mention that 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 was part of last week's podcast but yes the tim tebow of blitz ball um Oh, so we then get a really sick CG cutscene of Oren doing fighting. Uh, he so gets into his, sick. he gets so into a sick pose with one arm. God, when I was a kid, I thought this was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> it was. Li- it still is. It's a, fuck being a kid. I still love this cutscene. I love it. I get yeah. hyped every time I see it. Like every time I see Oren, I'm like, damn, this dude has a giant sword. And he's cooler than Cloud because Cloud has to use two hands, but Orange just <laughs> uses one. The other one's just hanging out; doesn't even need it. Like I was always very endeared to kind of how how um, not muscular his arms are. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of pulls his arm out of the rope, and it's like you know, it's like he's he's fit, but like it's not a big beefy arm. It's kind of like oh, he's got a cute little arm, but <laughs> you're still scared. I'm still scared of Orange. Mm-hmm. He's got sunglasses on all the time. He's Very got like imposing. a black tank top on underneath coolest. that cloak. Like that. Yeah. Oh, he's he's cool. He's, he's cool. So cool. He's always got moonshine on his hip. That's what I imagine. He's got like some some hooch in that in that flask that he's got at all times. Cool enough. Um, they made him a Kingdom Hearts party member. Yeah, yeah. In like hell. one of the only Final Fantasy <laughs> ones that are actually in that game as a party member. They were oh, like, oh fuck! Okay. I just. Um, I just remembered a cardinal sin of Kingdom Hearts that we'll get to when we get to Tenchu. Oh, <laughs> oh, good. But um, Arn in that game is fucking dope. 
oh, I know exactly what cardinal sin you're talking about now. We got. I'll we never gotta forgive you for that. YRP, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. Oh man. Fuck. Why did I even keep playing the games after that shit? They did anyway. those characters dirty. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, no, you you go to hell in Kingdom Hearts, and Warren is there. He's like, "What's up? You want to murder some like hell demons with me?" And you're like, "Yeah, I do. Like that sounds great, and it's the best part of Kingdom Hearts." But anyways <laughs> um titus and waka eventually meet up with him and verify that like hey yeah you know waka knows who Orin is Orin is was one of braska's guardians alongside checked and and all that and we fight a big old nasty pterodactyl who you just blind and, and hit the crap out of but they they do here and then later on in the game they kind of introduce you to what Orin's type of monster he's supposed to fight is which is like the big armored dudes mm-hmm. that are that are slow and stuff um also Orin's moveset fantastic moveset like Orin, yeah, underrated in terms of his moveset uh power break is godlike it's so good um we we keep fighting some fiends it keeps getting worse and worse and then seymour guado shows up and summons the scariest damn thing I had seen in a video game up to that point as yeah. a small child. Oh my god. Fucking Anima horrifying. Is messed up. Like, it's a fucking huge thing. Because, like, it, it kind of just, like, shows you how little you know still. That, like, the, yeah. the, the Aeons that Eunuch and Summon are, like, Ifrit and Valfor. Like, you know, these things that look kind of, you know, like they, they, they're, like, these fantasy kind of things like they look they look like they fit within this world that you know already and then anima comes here it's this absolutely vile fucking monster mm-hmm. that like we aren't even gonna see like the scope of how oh like God. of this thing yeah. yet oh, yeah. it and, gets worse and it, it just fucks up everything here and also it's just like a reminder of like you haven't seen shit yet yeah it it, it builds on that idea that like oh seymour is is not you know like the wholesome boy because you know like like you said here's his summon a giant chained monster that blows things up with its eye while crying blood yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i i hadn't noticed that legitimately had never noticed that detail until i played it through for this podcast and i had a moment where i was like oh oh that's it's crying blood right now that's that's not good i don't like that that's so much worse and oh i'm very excited uh i I will say one of the things we will do in this podcast uh we're we've gone back and forth a few times about whether we're going to do like all of the side stuff but i think we've pretty much settled on doing Mm -hmm. the summon stuff at least uh for sure the anima stuff Mm -hmm. uh because that is really interesting and creepy mm. and uh can't the, wait the, to get to that stuff because it's wild um the side stuff in this game is pretty good it's pretty important too yeah I like. yeah. So, yeah i think um, that's a good call it's 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 almost weird that it's optional in a way yeah yeah, yeah some Very of the other cool. summons in this game you know like yojimbo is is cool and i like yojimbo but also like yojimbo is not like pro- plot critical to this game whereas right. mm like anima plays in pretty significantly to a certain character's story and all that. Right. So it's, yep. yeah. Um, it's also just like, I compared, like, again, compared to a lot of the summons we'll get with unit, like anima is so synonymous with final fantasy 10. I don't think she's ever been in any other game 
or like, maybe like mainline game like in any other form like i, th- I think yeah. made, like the various like cameos and all the like all the you know spinoffs and shit and actually now i'm looking at it she's gonna be in final fantasy 14 and in walker um oh as like a raid boss or something i i could not tell you because i did not play critically acclaimed mmo rpg huh. final fantasy 14 but uh, that, would, that would be a sick raid boss. That'd like, be a sick raid genuinely boss. Genuinely yeah. incredible. I would be very interested in seeing that. Like all, all they have right now is this art that I'm going to post. This is, I mean, this is an audio podcast, so sorry to the rest of y'all, but this is all that they've shown of her so far. Oh, that's hey. that's sick. Yeah. yeah. That's sick. Um, yeah, but yeah look, just like, look that up for the folks at home. That... Yeah. It's just like one of the things that's interesting about, like, she is so intrinsic to this game in the way that she is that, like, she just. She's not like one of the. She's not a Shiva. She's not a, uh, Ifrit. Like something that is recurring throughout the series, and I think that right yeah. speaks to how important she is. Yeah, I'm like that. That is an important point to make. Is that like Final Fantasy has had summons throughout its history, and a lot of them are recurring. You know, your Ifrits and stuff like that are are have appeared in most games and have different interpretations. John, I'm very excited because I remember you have been playing Final Fantasy 13, and I cannot wait for you to see Shiva in that game oh, I've, because I've, I've, it, I've beat I've beaten that game before. So oh, know, you've beaten that all, game before. I know I I know all the idolons. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Oh okay. Yeah. I thought I the thought mo- you were playing the, it for the first time for some reason. No, I was just reinstalling it because Natalie is such a fucking 13 apologist. I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess I'll <laughs> guess I'll give it a shot again. And um, you gonna play? I don't know. You gonna play? Best single player Final Fantasy game of the past decade. Don't do that. Lightning Returns. No, you're good. You're fine. Eric has never played it, so he's talking out of his ass right now. I, I, I am, mean, but I feel I like I've got know. it. <laughs> I'll see. I'll see how I feel after I get through 13. I guess. Actually, that's a lie. I've got to. I've got to like. I've got to get to level 80 in Final Fantasy 14. Natalie will kill me if I don't do that <laughs> at some point. Yeah. I feel um, I feel so much external pressure from social media and stuff to play Final Fantasy fourteen finally. I, and now I mean, that I know Anima's game. gonna be in it, it's only worse. I mean it's a I, good game, is the thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I you know, I think even if you're like not an MMO person, it's like kind of does things a lot differently and I don't know. I don't know. I, I already don't know. just I get got it. back into Destiny Two though, and that's the problem. Mm. Is you know, how many service games do I have time in my life? I've for? I've got one in me at a time, so that's fair. Yeah. And and Destiny 2 is doing some equally creepy, shit. giant, yep. scary monster stuff. <laughs> yep. So yes, they we, are. We will see. We will see. There is a free trial, so it's easy <laughs> to hop into. Um, but yeah, back to the Final Fantasy we're talking about. Uh, after all the murder has happened in the stadium, which, by the way, like also there's just a lot of murder happening in the city mm-hmm. that I feel. Like once once this cutscene ends, uh, I I can't remember when I ever went back to Luca just to see if there were any lasting ramifications of this scene on the city because we kind of just bounce after yeah. that, and maybe I'll try and you know make a journey back at some point once you know fast travel in this game opens up and all that. Um, maybe it'll be worth going back to see if there's some reflection of what has happened here, but we do kind of like bounce right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, but not before we get a few more scenes. Uh, the Oroks all say goodbye to Waka. Um, you know, he's, he's moving on to being full-time guardian. Now you do get a funny little scene of him handing the trophy off to the Oroks. If you won, which I enjoyed, but also wish that Waka had got to keep the trophy 
as a weapon that he could throw at people. I feel like that would only suit him well. That um, cool. Mika, you know, Maester uh, Mika, <laughs> Hatsune Mika, <laughs> Maester Micah is safe, and everyone else is safe thanks to Seymour and Yuna. Is is just kind of odd for a little bit at how powerful Anima is, and I feel like this is maybe the start of Yuna also realizing that hey, something's up with mm-hmm. Seymour. Like something's a little bit wrong. That was right. that wasn't right. Um, I think that's something that only she would be able to recognize. Like, Aeon's a summoner. like, yeah. completely unknowable force to most people, but she'd be someone mm-hmm. like, something about that is a mess. Yes, yeah. Um, and then we get kind of the, well, I'm not going to say the last iconic scene. There's one more after this, but this is also a pretty, I would say, memorable scene of Final Fantasy X, which is Titus and Orin finally talking to each other. Um, and... Titus is, I'd say rightfully so, getting pretty mad at Orin because mm-hmm. Orin did kind of force him to go into the cosmic hole that took him into this future. And this is where Orin kind of lays it all to bear. And Orin gives him the truth that 10 years ago, um, Jekt, Braska, and Orin all worked together to defeat Sin. And at that point, uh, after that happened, he went back to Xanarkin to watch over Titus and eventually bring him to Spira because Jekt asked him to. Uh, and obviously that begs the question, which Titus asks, is Jekt still alive then? Like, what's going on? And Oren says, it depends on what you mean by alive. He's not human anymore. He's sin. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Big <laughs> revelation here. Um, even though we've kind of been joking about it up to this point, <laughs> I kind of let that that joke slip through last week. Sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we Titus does not believe this right away, and Orange is like, "Hey, look, you can find out for yourself if I'm telling the truth or not." Because I'm going with Yuna. I'm going to go offer my services to Luna, uh, Luna, Yuna, before we leave Luca. And uh, and I'm going to be a guardian for her because that's what Braska asked of me. Uh, and Titus, if he wants answers, should come with him because he's not going to find any answers feeling sorry for himself here in Luca. And I think this is the point where he really gets some sense smacked into him in terms of this is your story. Like, do you want it to end here? Do you want to just be lost here in this place where you don't know anyone or do you want to like get on your own two feet and figure out what's going on and learn something about yourself in the process. And mm-hmm. once again, you want to talk about why I love Orin as a character. He's the one who smacks some sense into Titus mm-hmm. and drags him back to Yuna and is like, he's coming with us. <laughs> and, right. mm-hmm. Uh, is, I, I, I love I love this scene. It's it's real good. And the music that plays here, I want to like emphasize I love the music that plays here too. Uh once again the soundtrack is an all timer for me and I feel like it really nails the mood and the setting here very well. Yeah. Ken, how do you very, feel about this this scene? It's a very good very good soundtrack. I agree. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The R and theme, very good. Um it's uh it's a lot because like it's a lot to take in because it's 
the revelation feels incomprehensible and like both like for Titus to say like oh my what do you mean that giant fucking whale monster is my father mm-hmm. and then but we also as a player like don't know how you go from asshole blitzball star to that and so it's just it feels like one of those moments where like Titus's place in this world just like makes everything else hit like I, I think effectively in, in the way that the story's being told it's like you're constantly having to deal with these unknowns and the, like you don't understand the concept of this world and the game is going to teach you those things in a very natural way so yeah like they're like that that's a that's a compelling thing to go forward how does jack become sin like and what does like they talk about they destroyed sin so it starts to raise, raise questions of like how is jack sin then right right and like what does that mean for the people that are trying to defeat sin now I think the only botherance for me here is that we start to run into some muddying of what knowledge is known and what knowledge is not known and what knowledge is being kept from other characters and all that, because clearly Oren knows the most of the party at this Mm. point, Uh, even more so than if I recall correctly, Yuna does at this point. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of the emotional tension in this game comes from the secrets that they keep from each other. And I think there's interesting, like, you know, there's interesting nuance in, in, you know, the concept that this is supposed to be a party of people that are traveling together and coming together and learning to rely on each other. While also that like several of them are all keeping secrets from each other, you Mm -hmm. know, whether that's, you know, why they want a certain character to be coming along in the first place to the nature of the pilgrimage itself to how certain things about the world work. Um, within the party, there's a lot of just not talking <laughs> happening. Mm. Uh, and it's just, it's <laughs> replaying this game. There's such an emotional tension in, in these scenes, like knowing that they are not telling everything to each other and it can get frustrating, but it's also like really interesting to see happen, you know, in hindsight. It'd be so funny if we saw more of those conversations or like sitting around a campfire and one of them's like, it's cool to be corporeal, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Like I love being real and existing (laughs) and, uh, feels really good. And everyone's just like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Anybody else love touching stuff? Like just holding things. Anyone, (laughs) anyone just love being in like this plane of existence and not a different one. (laughs) Anyway, see, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there is a lot of tension there. And I think on subsequent playthroughs, that's a really rewarding part of Mm -hmm. the game of kind of knowing all the pieces. Right. And seeing how the characters are dealing with that total, um, mismatch of of information. Yeah, I mean, this isn't this is arguably not even the biggest revelation that Oren gives you. Right. No, in, in no, the game, there are like four like, others there's that lot happen. To come. There's so <laughs> many, and so it's like it's just very, like I just love how messy Oren is. He's like the adult in the room, and he's like, I've got secrets just mm. the entire time. Um, I don't know. It's it's so good. It's I it's lovely. I love that part mm. of this game. Oren is a character that knows everything about the story, but seems to also know that it's a story that's being told. And so he mm. waits to reveal information until very key moments when it mm. will cause the most drama. Right. And that's also why I love Oren is because yep. he, he waits till the right moment. Like 
if ever there's a good theory to have about a video game, it's that Oren is aware that he is in a video game and is kind yeah. of playing, you know, the Shakespearean narrator that knows everything and is guiding all the characters along to their different parts. And mm. I mean, he throughout the game, he says shit like, oh, this is your story now. You write right. the pages and all that. And it's, mm. he knows what's up. Like he knows what he's doing and he does it anyways. Cause you know, he loves, he loves the dramatics of it. He, he loves that. He knows how this is going to turn out and that everyone needs to go on their journey and needs to get there. And he knows that he just has to prod them at certain points to, also, to get them there. And it's also a part of like, he knows that his story is already finished, but the story is being written by somebody else and it can be different. And I think that's something mm-hmm. that he kind of like knows that he can't tell anything too early because then the best possible outcome is not going to come. Yes. Yeah. It's not to use like the most grown worthy reference that could ever happen in this podcast ever, but it's that Dr. Strange, like doing the one finger to Iron Man mm. in that movie. Right. Mm. Like, like this, this is the one and all that. Like he's got to wait until the right moment to say it. And I say that not liking that movie very much, but that, that was like a neat little thing. I'm sorry. Yeah. I brought MCU no. into this podcast. We've so talked about the MCU okay. plenty of times on the show. I've, I've okay. soiled the earth. <laughs> it was at least a cinematic reference that you were aware of, Ken, because Fuck the movie off. came out after Deep the year shit. 2000. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> We were, fired. we were told today by by a new a new fan a new listener that they like our banter so we got to make sure we keep the banter <laughs> we're lucky sure that people like to hear us kin like this yeah. <laughs> um it's okay i'll forget something eventually and then ken will get to make fun of me uh, mm. it's inevitable Delicious. um so let's let's talk about the laugh real to close this out let's talk about the laugh okay um as we're about to head off onto the the uh, what is the me and high road mm-hmm. is that where we're at yeah yeah the me and high road um on our way to jose uh we're about to take off and before we do you know titus and yuna get a chance for one more heart to heart and i like this because this is the first one-on-one conversation they've had in a while and a lot of stuff has gone down and there's some cool references here you know back to whistling and all that um that doesn't just show that time has passed and all that but also shows that you know they 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 ruminate on the things they say between conversations and i like that but um then uh we we get to a point of them you know yuna points out that summoners need to be a ray of light for spira like you know they've seen so much hardship in just the short journey they've been on so far and they still have a long ways to go and the summoners need to be the source of hope and inspiration and so uh she she just tells t to try smiling uh and he just kind of grits his teeth in a way that is not human (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then they try laughing and now we get the scene that I think a lot of people meme and make fun of and detract out of context, because I think if you watch this scene in context, it's very clear that they are trying to do it bad and Mm -hmm. do it poorly. And like, 
make each other laugh because the end of the clip that no one ever plays is them actually busting out into natural laughter at how bad their fake laughs are but that part never gets added in it's always just titus going ha ha who who, who did it it? i went so it's almost two hours of me saying titus um it's you know they always do titus doing the ha 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 and like yeah it's funny it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to be not normal and yuna you know plays it back and does the same thing and it's a fun back and forth because you get to see these characters having a genuine moment together and like that's just a fun neat little thing that grows their relationship in a way that's not a major story beat or twist or anything it's just them having a moment together that you can point to and be like oh yeah they're clearly like getting more comfortable around each other getting to know each other better and they're also helping each other through hard times with laughter and stuff and like this, this is a very good moment and it i know it annoys you more than it annoys me ken but like it's it's it, it's annoying how much this gets turned into a meme i mean like with, that's and as like with with bad faith interpretations and right. with like means of like like casting aspersions or whatever on this game like like saying this game has bad you know characters or that Titus is a bad character because of this laugh or, or you know, stuff and, like that and that like the voice actors are bad in this game because like I mean playing it out like, like these performances are like pretty fucking good still like They're very and good yeah. like it's almost like that's surprising to me because I've been told by people that did not play this game that it's supposed to be bad and you know like, I just, no they're good yeah and I, <laughs> they're they're good yeah I, I mean it's just generally like a problem i have with the way we talk about most things anyway is that like the farther we get away from shit the more things get boiled down to bullet points and jokes that we mm-hmm. made 20 years ago like we yeah like we talked about that a lot like in the mass effect uh season when we got to the mass, into mass effect 3 that like a lot of the ways that that section is talked about is all in like in jokes and references and catchphrases and it's just like I, I, it all. It also surprised me like when people that like this game talk about it that way. I was like, why did you jump on that bandwagon? Why did you? Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, you want to be in on the joke. You don't want to be the one person that's not laughing. I don't know. It's a good fucking scene. Like for mm-hmm. what it's trying to do, it's fucking perfect. I, I think it's a good yeah. scene. I think it's a good scene. I think it is hurt by legitimately annoying things that he just did not half an hour ago. That's fair. I, I do. Think I mean, that is I fair. I think it's I think it's hurt by him going <laughs> basically at the Luca goers like half an hour ago. Mm. Um, I think it is hurt by that. I think in terms of what it is as a scene and how it basically, you know, you basically have the cluster of the other guardians over in the corner waiting for you two to have this conversation essentially. Mm. And you also become part of that guardian group that gets to watch them get an inside joke together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of, you know, you're also kind of aware of Oren and Waka and Lulu and Kimari over on the side, probably in earshot can hear y'all doing this weird thing. <laughs> and they're all internalizing. Okay. They're getting to know each other better. Like for whatever crazy bullshit they're doing, at least they're getting closer. Right. Um, yeah, and and also yeah, like Yuna is like you know after Tita does that laugh like twice or whatever, she's like, all right, you're good, like we're good. Mm. Please stop, like you're scaring everyone. Please, 
Um, and then she joins, which him. is like good. Yeah, it's so. I, it's a it's a good scene. I I think people who judge this game based on that are, you know, are definitely missing kind of the context and the point and all that stuff. But, um, it's, yeah, it's them coming in with wanting to like not like Titus. And I think if you don't like Titus or you go in with the mindset of not liking Titus, then yeah, this this scene doesn't land. You know, you're just going to be like, oh, Titus is so annoying. I hate his laugh and stuff. But I, I think if you go in with trying to read this as a, also as a moment of character growth, because like you know, Titus at this moment has not only just been told that his dad, you know, made him go through the cosmic hole that ruined his life, but right. um, might also be the giant whale monster that's murdering everyone. And is like, like yeah. I, I think that's an aspect that maybe gets glossed over here even by the game is that in Kilika they do a really good job of emphasizing like this is Titus seeing what sin does to places in person like he is seeing just death and destruction and he's just left another scene of death and destruction caused by fiends and sin spawn and stuff um and it's you know and now he's been told that it might be his dad that's doing all this and now he's been you know just emotionally drained and then dragged over and, and told, you know, Oren kind of treats him like a little kid in that scene where he's like, he's coming with us. And again, it's like Titus has got to be feeling, you know, small again. He's got to be feeling, you know, tiny again, like he did when his dad belittles him a little bit. So him going through all that and still like managing to find a moment where he can make someone laugh and have some joy in this world and him having that moment with Yuna and it's, it's just, yeah, it, it kind of lifts your spirits up as a player, Mm. I think. And, and like resets the tone a little bit for, you know, what's to come with the really long road ahead on Jose and all that. Cause this is finally the point where we start getting into longer sections of the game, at least, you know, with the things we're doing and the distance we're traveling and stuff, we start to, really feel like it's a road trip um and i think this is like a good a good point to do that this is always the part that i demark is like final fantasy 10 has now left the intro part of the Mm. game and now we're kind of in the meat of what this game is and uh i think it it does a good job of just setting that up Mm. so yeah yeah it works it works for me uh it's a good it's a good chunk of game Mm-hmm. this luca like as a chunk of rpg a real good chunk of rpg right mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. uh yeah. blitzball tutorials aside mm-hmm. <laughs> i do want to point out before we before we close out the show i got two hours in and i didn't make a disney pixar's luca joke even once growth character growth even though we had entire this is an entire episode about giant sphere of water mm-hmm. you didn't get there ken i'm proud of you i'm proud of you that's going to do it for this episode real quick. We are Normandy FM. We are a retrospective podcast. Uh, we go through and recap a bunch of games. As you can tell, we started out with Mass Effect, but we've gone through Dragon Age, Jade Empire, uh, The Last of Us, and now uh, Final Fantasy X as well. You can follow us on whatever podcast services you use. And if you head over to patreon.com slash FM, you can back us there where any amount gets you into the backer discord where we share our updates and memes and other fun stuff on there. And we hang out and chat with y'all. 
and uh, at certain tiers, you get extra benefits. Uh, and at the highest tier, you get your name shouted out every week on the podcast. And this week, that list is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Colin, Just Colin, Just, The Wedge of Destiny, Zach James, Kevin Hux, and Mercedes Cluis. Thank you all so much for contributing and chipping in. We love to see your names popping up every episode. Uh, it's been really cool. Before we bounce, John, where can the fine folks at home find all the excellent work you do? You can find me on Twitter at Silencio Bruno. Shit. Fuck. Ah. God damn it. We got two hours through. Uh, <laughs> Eric, no, Eric doesn't uh, know that because he hasn't seen a movie in the year 2021. Oh, wow. So, so Kenneth and I are the only two. I, just, I haven't watched go. modern Pixar movies. I'm sorry. That's a good movie. That's a good one if you want to see it. If you're like... If you're disillusioned with recent Pixar movies, I thought Luca's. I have anyway. only just recently seen Ratatouille. I had gone. Oh, Ratatouille's so good, and it's life. a mech movie. It's you're it so is, fucking right. It is. It's it's a mech movie. You know, so Remy good. got in the robot. <laughs> pilot, pilot, pilot the Luigi, uh, Linguini, pilot the ling- Linguini. We'll make your brother um, do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, you can you can actually find me at Floppy Adult on Twitter. You can also uh, find everything we do at fanbyte.com and podcastnet.work. Fantastic. Well, John, we were happy to have you on. We, we're glad to have you on for the Luca episode, the Disney Pixar Luca episode. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, next week, folks, we'll be taking on... This is... I do want to clarify. Normally, we we just say what's happening here, but because of the nature of Final Fantasy X, if you're playing along with us, this these next few episodes get a little weird. Uh, so next episode will be the high roads uh, and up through uh, the Crusaders section. Uh, it's, it's at Mushroom Ridge, Mushroom Rock, something like that. I, I don't know. It's... They, there's a Crusaders thing that happens and then there's a big boss fight that might involve a certain blue-haired character that we ran into in this episode. Uh, so we will be playing up through that part for this next episode and then the episode following that will be actually getting to Jose and then the Moonflow and Guado Salam after that. So we had to kind of split it up kind of weird because of the way that some of this stuff breaks out and we start getting into parts of this that aren't as easily sectioned off as our previous episodes have been. So if you're playing along with us, we're going to be going up through that last boss battle with a certain character that you will see. Uh, and then that's where we will cut that episode off and we'll do Jose the week after that. So until next time for ourselves, for John, for Ken, for myself, we will see you next episode on Normandy. FM. <laughs>